Welcome to the Dear NICU Mama podcast. Our mission is to connect the past and the present NICU mom by bringing them out of isolation and into a sisterhood of women who can stand alongside each other as we heal and grow both in and out of the NICU. Our hope is that through interviews with trauma-informed medical and maternal mental health experts and vulnerable stories from NICU mamas themselves, that you would feel connected to the Dear NICU Mama Sisterhood around the world. So, whether your NICU journey was 50 years ago, or whether you find yourself in the NICU today, we hope that this podcast reminds you that you are not alone. Hi, mamas, and welcome back to the Dear NICU Mama podcast. It's your host, Martha and Ashley. Ashley, it's so good to see your face. So good to see your face. I can't wait to... Well, is it? I was just... I was about to mention the blisters, but I didn't want to go there, but you kind of opened the door. So do you want to share what's happening on your face? (laughs) Yes, absolutely. I, yeah. Speaking of illness today, um, my family has hand, foot, and mouth, which is so stupid. I'm so sorry. It is dumb. I'm so, so sorry. (laughs) Thank you for your condolence at this time. Um, Today is a a great episode because we have back an oldie but a goodie, um, Mm -hmm. Dr. Stephanie Hansen from Sanford Health. She's a wonderful pediatrician and a friend of the the podcast and a friend to NICU parents everywhere. We're so glad that you're back with us today. Thank you, Martha. I'm thrilled to be here. And I'm sorry about your face. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) R.I.P. my face. We were just talking before we hit record of how, um, and we'll make sure to link our previous episode with Dr. Hansen in the show notes, but how different of a time we were in when we recorded our previous episode with you. And it was only three to four months before everything changed in the world. And so we're really excited to have this conversation with you now that we're still in a pandemic, we're still in this uncertainty of illness and cold and flu season is ever present months before it usually is. Um, But also because you as a provider are so empathetic and compassionate. And we recently launched our You Can Do This collection. And so mamas, we wanted to really um, have this episode be an affirmation from a trusted pediatrician that you can do this. You can do cold and flu season. You can do having a, a immunocompromised kiddo in a pandemic because you're not alone. And so we hope that having the opportunity to hear from a trusted pediatrician really just gives you some assurance that no matter what you face this cold and flu season and pandemic season, that you can do this. So Dr. Hansen, thank you so much for being on the show today. Oh, Ashley, I just love that message of you can do hard things. And I mean, that's so applicable to so many areas of our life. If you're dealing with a sick kiddo, if you're dealing with a kiddo who has chronic medical issues, if you're dealing with mental health difficulties, uh, just know you can do it. And I think the back end to that is you can do it. And there's a lot of us who are here to help you. Yes. Yes. I love that. Love Mm. that. Well, I I think uh, probably one of the best things to to start with is who are you and and talk a little bit about your practice. 
Yeah, so I'm, my name is Dr. Stephanie Hansen. I'm a pediatrician and I uh, practice at Sanford in Fargo. I'm in my 14th year of practice, which Whoa. kind of blows my mind, but uh, I take care of kids of all ages. So little bitty babies all the way up to, uh, you know, high school age and early college age. So I see that full spectrum. Uh, and that includes a lot of NICU graduates. <laughs> yeah. I love it. We, we love you so much. And also anytime someone asked me for a referral for a pediatrician, I was like, if you can get in, go see Dr. Hansen. Yes. You're a popular, popular doctor. Um, and it's it's clear why. You've got great peers too. Well, I guess the biggest elephant in the room is COVID, right? Yeah. And I mean, what in your experience, I mean, so much has happened since September 2019 when we interviewed you last. How have you seen it affect the kids that you serve? That feels like a million years ago, doesn't it? Right. Yeah. It does. Yeah. I mean, COVID is a respiratory illness. So just like any other darn respiratory illness, uh, in most kids, it, it runs its course and it does fine. In some kids, they have a rougher time of it. So, you know, it doesn't honestly matter what virus we're talking about. Flu, RSV, rhinovirus, covid you know, most kids will do fine. And that includes NICU grads. But there are kids for a variety of reasons who might end up in the hospital or who might have more serious illness because of that. You know, early on in the pandemic, our pediatric case numbers were very low because our community was so good about masking and social distancing. And there was a lot of mitigation measures in place, even though we didn't have vaccine available. Um, we saw just infections of all kinds in kids plummet. And that was honestly probably the best thing could that could happen because we did not spend that winter and that spring and, and really most of that year um, with a lot of illness in kids at all. So I honestly, I had a conversation with parents and they'd say, this is the healthiest year we've ever had. My, my big kids didn't get their usual cold. My little kids in daycare weren't sick. Uh, and so really, we had this kind of like the world was in chaos all around us, but kids were doing pretty well. Now it's a different story. Mm -hmm. And yeah. with uh, what I like to call the great unmasking that happened this yeah, spring, right. um, we just saw an uptick in every kind of respiratory virus. And so I would say, honestly, right now, the the pandemic and the things that are coming with that are affecting little ones more than it did maybe at this time last year. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I shared, but my daughter last week, my daughter was hospitalized for a respiratory illness um, in the cities and she's three, right? So in my head, I remember hearing like, oh, well, about till they're three, you know, the risk of respiratory viruses is, you know, an issue. And so in my head, we were done. We were out of that. So mm -hmm. I was so shocked. Um to uh, experience that and to have her be hospitalized for it was very overwhelming because I just wasn't thinking it was even a possibility. Yes. But then we were in the ER and I told Ash, I was, it was toddlers far as the eye can see, you know? Mm -hmm. So it, that, that is so wild. And, and then also I think kind of contributes to another layer of anxiety for, for NICU parents too. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine if you've got a, a medically vulnerable child, like, you know, a kid with lung disease or a, a former preemie to be in the world right now and hearing these stories of my older child was hospitalized or my infant got COVID or I, that's gotta be so scary. And, mm -hmm. you know, I just, 
it, it's tough. I don't have a crystal ball. I couldn't, I can't predict who's going to get sick. I have a good idea of who's maybe more at risk, but there's, there's kids like, you know, your daughter, Martha, who you wouldn't expect it. And yet it happens anyway. Mm-hmm. And that stinks. And that's outside of our control. Yeah. Right. If this is a dumb question, I can cut this out, but maybe for, um, maybe just for like an educational piece, Dr. Hansen, you know, who would you consider to be more at risk or more susceptible for illness? Is it all NICU kiddos? Is it just preemies? I mean, in your practice, what kind of classifies a child to be more at risk for illness? You know, I, I think if you were a preemie who had, um, you know, significant lung or breathing issues when you were hospitalized, um, we know those things affect the development of the lungs. Mm -hmm. Um, if you're a kiddo who's got a strong family history of asthma, you might be more at risk for having severe respiratory illness. But honestly, sometimes it's just bad luck. And sure. I, yeah. you know, I have patients who are healthy term kids who end up in the hospital with things like RSV and flu and COVID. So mm-hmm. sometimes it honestly is just you got a bad shake. Right. Yeah. So no, being being that that is all true, right? And and that you can try and prevent it as much as possible, but not 100% of the time, right? No. And I, I stand by that statement. Yeah. yeah. I stand by that statement that illness is inevitable. It is going to happen despite your best efforts because that's just the nature of viruses and how they work. Right. So then for NICU families where that is the worst case scenario in their mind, right? They have already right. seen their child go through so much. Yes. What words of encouragement can we provide to them? What what support can can we give to them when they're thinking about this? Right. Well, I think one thing is to just control the things that you can control. You know, so that's things like making sure your child is is hopefully having a good sleep schedule and getting enough rest, you know, making sure you're focusing on a healthy diet and new, good nutrition. Those are things you can absolutely work with and, and can have a positive effect on your child's health. Um, you know, teach them good hand washing, teach them cough hygiene. If there's someone who is obviously sick, you know, don't let them kiss your child on the face. You know, there's things that you can do as a parent or as a caregiver to minimize your child's exposure to viruses. But I want to be really clear, you can never fully eliminate it. So yeah. it's it's going to happen. And, yeah. you know, we just all we can do is make the best decisions we have at the information we have at the time. So, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people ask me, should I go to this birthday party? Should I go to this wedding? Should I go on this trip to Florida? I'm like, well, you know, are the people around you going to be vaccinated? How good is the mask wearing? You know, do you, um, you know, has your child recently been sick or have they gotten more seriously sick with a respiratory illness? You know, those are the kind of questions you can ask yourself and the things that you have control over. But right. I mean, in the moment, um, you know, things are going to happen. Yeah. But the message of you can do this really applies here. So I think educate yourself on what the signs of serious illness look like. Have a plan for what you would do if your child really started looking sick, if they got in trouble with their breathing, if they weren't drinking well and you were worried about dehydration, you know, call up your pediatrician, go to the urgent care, go to the ER. Don't sit and be anxious and alone at home because that's just the worst, the worst thing you can do. Never be anxious alone. <laughs> yeah. 
I also think it's a great point when you talk a lot about like, we can't control it. And that is like the foundational um, source of anxiety, right? Mm -hmm. Is intolerance of uncertainty. And Mm -hmm. so if you are someone who is prone to anxiety, which is okay if you are, because a lot of us, you know, uh, are dealing with uh, with healing our mental health after this day. Yeah. Then it sounds like it's time for you to, in, as a parent, to also engage the resources you need for your anxiety, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. You get, reaching out and getting that support to help with those overwhelming feeling and emotions can help make you a more capable parent. It can help your decision making when it comes to your child's health. Um, your mental health as a parent is paramount in many ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also think, you know, when we got to the point where Jay was, Jay was hospitalized, right. It was so overwhelming. Like the idea of it actually was, was, um, was harder for me than her actually being there because I started to get that sensation again, which is she is going, she gets this oxygen support, right? So that she can beat the, 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 the um, illness, right? The virus and all these extra supports were what she needed to be the little fighter she was already. Right. So once I kind of started like thinking about, okay, this stuff is augmenting her immune system. It's helped getting her what she needs so she can get over this. Yes. It, it, it was really helpful perspective too, because it's just all these toolkits that doctors have, right. To help yeah. these kids in times of tr- in trouble. Yeah. You know, I always say, we know how to do this. We know yeah. how to take care of a kid who's in trouble with illness. You know, that's what we trained for. That's, that's our passion. And so we're there for you when your kid is sick I know it's scary to be in the hospital and to be triggered and and reliving some of those things that you maybe went through in the in the NICU. But, you know, the team is there and focused on your child to give them the best care and and help them beat whatever they're fighting Two, just the importance of vaccination. You know, that is such a hot topic right now. But I just want to tell you from my heart vaccination against flu, against COVID, against other infectious diseases is the single best tool we have to help prevent serious illness and death. And I mean, that's scary stuff to talk about, I know. Um, And no vaccine is perfect and no mitigation measure is perfect, but literally vaccines save lives. And so I really encourage people, if you have a recommendation from your trusted pediatrician to vaccinate yourself, or your child, go for it. Mm, yeah. So one thing that we hear a lot in our private Facebook group and just in community with other NICU moms is this feeling that other people make them feel like they're like they're the crazy ones, whether that means that it's because they're in isolation, whether it means because they're getting vaccinated, et cetera, et cetera. And so as a pediatrician, how would you respond to you know, when they have well-meaning family members that say stuff like, well, don't live in fear. They have to build their immune system somehow. (laughs) How would you respond to those types of remarks? Oh, that's so tough. That type of gaslighting is so damaging to someone who is working so hard to keep their kid healthy and, and to kind of manage things. And I would just say, you know, fear is a bad thing when it's affecting your function in your life. So fear is keeping you from doing things that you want to do. If it's keeping you from things that you need to do, or if, or if the fear is so overwhelming that you're suffering because of your anxiety, 
that's the kind of fear that's not good. And so I get it when a well-meaning family member is seeing signs of that and they're saying, I care about you. I want you to be okay. I want to share or lift this burden of anxiety from you. But you guys know as well as I do, you can't just tell someone stop worrying. That is not an effective way to manage anxiety. So I can't just say, don't be fear. Don't, don't be fearful. Don't let fear manage you. And I think it's that, that idea of there are things in our life that we can control and that, and it's okay to be uncertain or unsure of the unknown. Like that, that's okay. That's what we should do as humans. So I think if your family member is saying to you, you're crazy, what are you doing? You say, you know what? I talked about my pediatrician with this, with this XYZ topic. And we agreed together that this was the best course of action for my child right now. Thank you for your concern. (laughs) Right. Yep. No. And I love that you labeled it as gaslighting because that's something that (laughs) unfortunately many of us in the community are familiar with. And so it's affirming to hear that from a trusted provider um, of recognizing what's gaslighting and what's actually helpful. Right. Right. Thank you for addressing that. I wonder too, if often it comes from a place of, of someone, um, you know, someone saying, well, this is what's right for my family. So, or for me, so it's what should be right for you. Right. And at this point in this stage of, of the pandemic and life and everything now more than ever, it has to be okay to say, I hear you. And I see that's the choice and the decision for your family, but this is the decision that I'm making for my family. So I respect your choice. Thanks for respecting mine. It's, It is a really hard thing to do in the Midwest uh, with your <laughs> your mother-in-law or your aunt Nancy or whatever. It's it's hard, but it's mm-hmm. a really important practice that helps you um, navigate a really tough situation. It's protecting mm-hmm. your heart. So uh, yeah. just an encouragement, Mama. Again, you can do this. You can do, make oh, those choices. You've yeah. got this. You've got this. Yeah. You know, one thing that's really helped me when I feel criticized for my choices, especially when it comes to my family or my health, is, um, you know, it's really easy for me to spin that into like, this person is out to get me or this person just is such a negative. I have to assume good intent in all interactions. I have to assume that person's statement is coming from a place of care and concern. Um, and it might not be coming out the way that they intended to, but if I can reframe it in my mind of, you know what, this person cares about me and my child enough to say something to me about what they think I should be doing. Like I'm going to grab that nugget and push the rest away. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that was one thing that was challenging during the peak parts of COVID last year was that we were also missing them. You know, I think a lot of their concern was a genuine, I just miss my grandbaby. I just miss my cousin. I just miss my niece or, you know, and I think it was so hard is we were all missing each other and yet we were all trying to make the best decisions that we could. So yeah, the heart was, we just missed each other. We just wanted to be together. But at that time we were just making the best decisions we could with the information we had. So yeah, I love that. And, you know, another question that we get often is, you know, daycare, school, and with the peak of cold and flu season a little bit earlier than maybe other seasons, going back to school had its own level of anxiety, starting new daycares and that kind of thing. And so, um, you know, what word of encouragement would you offer a NICU mama who's sending their kid to school for the first time or maybe the millionth time, but feeling a lot of anxiety with just the influx of illness this year? 
Oh, this is such a hard one. Like I felt anxious, you know, for, for all our families going back to school this fall. And there, you're right. There is a lot of, a lot of stuff going around right now. Um, I think really when you're, everyone's circumstance is different. So there are families who don't have a choice. Unfortunately, their kids have to go to school. They have to go to daycare. And that, that is not within the realm of things that you can control in that Mm -hmm. situation. So I think really just accepting like, this is our circumstance. This is the reality of our life right now. What can I do to make this, you know, make this okay. And one thing I would really remember is how much benefit our kids get from being in school and being Mm -hmm. around other kids and being around other adults who are passionate about teaching them and guiding them through early childhood. Um, And those benefits are real. They are. Mm -hmm. And so really thinking about like, what do I have to gain in this situation? Um, Mm -hmm. That's one way to help that transition or to help with some of that anxiety. And then again, control the things you can control, work on sleep, work on nutrition, teach your kid good cough hygiene, teach your kid good hand washing. Those are all things that matter and they make a difference. If mask wearing is in, you know, a part of your environment or that's something that you're encouraging, you know, and your child is old enough to do it, help them practice, help it, help them get used to the idea of wearing a mask. And, you know, I think that can really make a difference too. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is um, just kind of a follow up to that, which is one of the aspects of our children's health that becomes more apparent, especially when they can start talking back to us, is the way that they're processing all of these things that are happening and the way that they're taking in the world right now. You know, it's a scary it can be it can be a scary or anxious thing for them. And they're witnessing adults. um, What's the best way to say this? Handle handle external circumstances with varying levels of success. How about that? <laughs> you, know, you said it much more eloquently than I would. <laughs> people, people are navigating a really tough world right now in a lot of different ways. So what are some of the ways that we can support our children's, maybe their mental health? You know, there's a wide range, like whether they're infants who can or can't communicate, whether they're toddlers or even school age kids. Yeah. So number one, you got to pay attention to your own mental health. And I would say that's the biggest thing that you can do to help support your child. Um, The way that you express your discomfort with a situation helps mold the way your child will respond to stressful situations. So you are their first and foremost influence always. So I think that's, that's the first thing I would do. And then really with kids, Uh, I think they all thrive with an element of predictability and routine, which not always to accommodate, easy to accommodate in a pandemic. But the more that you can uh, stick to kind of a a series of expected routines, expected things, I think that brings kids comfort in times of chaos. Yeah. Heck, it brings me comfort in times of chaos. If I know like I'm going to be home at this time and then I'm going to sit down and have dinner with my family. And then after dinner, we're going to do this. Like that ritual and that routine really helps me to feel calm at the end of the day. Yeah. No, that's so good. I'm so glad you asked that question, Martha, because it's, it's really crazy to think about like when we started Dear Nikki Mama, both of our kiddos were baby babies and now they're three years old and they're starting to really take in the world and process things like you said. And so, and I wonder if 
you know, if, if your child is asking, mom, why do I have to wear a mask? Mm-hmm. Or mom, what is COVID? You know, what is maybe a gentle response that we can say to kind of teach them why we're wearing masks, why we're not going to grandma and grandpa's for Thanksgiving Mm -hmm. or those kind of things. Do you Mm -hmm. have any tips on that? You know, there's lots of stuff out there that's geared towards even really young kids, whether that's books or short videos or things like that. I think with any of these questions, your kids are going to hammer you with hard questions now until the end of time. So you're going to start talking hard questions forever. Um, answer the question that they're asking. You know, I think that I I have a tendency to start to like think 20 steps ahead. And if they're asking me, why do I have to wear a mask? And then I don't need to explain the politicization of masks in our society (laughs) to my young child. Like I can talk about like, what does a mask do? What are we trying to accomplish? And use just concrete terms and talk about it. And I can do that in a very matter-of-fact and unemotional way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's good. Oh, that's so true. Literally today on the way to school, JJ was like, Mom, why is Darth Vader mean? And I was like, (laughs) wow, well, I could really get into it. You know what I mean? It all started with the midi-chlorian when when he was, right, in episode one. But really, I was just like, he's just mean because he's kind of sad, right? Like, that's all she needed to hear. That is perfection, Martha. Answer the question they're asking because chances are they are not thinking nearly as deeply as you are about this topic, nor do they have the developmental or cognitive capacity to even understand what you're going to throw at them. So, you know, that, that, that question about Darth Vader could really apply to why is anyone mean? And a lot of times they are sad. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. right. (laughs) Right. No, that's good. Well, I don't know where we go from Darth Vader. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, not to backtrack, but you talked a little bit about the benefits of school. Yeah. And maybe as kind of a closing statement, you know, what are what are some of the benefits of school? And, you know, what words of encouragement would you give moms who just need to be reminded of yeah. some of those benefits? Yeah. You know, I... I'll say uh, in my experience as a pediatrician now through the pandemic, one of the most devastating things I've seen happen is fear and anxiety that came to kids, daycare kids, school age kids, as a result from their school routine being disrupted. So whether that was uh, unexpected hybrid learning, having to miss school because of quarantine, having to do distance learning, Um, that to me was the biggest burden on our kids. So you'll see professionals everywhere now talking about the benefits of in-person learning for a child's mental health and development, and that that should be our goal above all things. And that all of the mitigation measures that we're encouraging are to support that, to support our kids being able to be in school and to be in their childcare setting, because we know that's where good development happens. So, you know, Going to daycare is where you learn about socialization. That's where you learn how to take turns. That's where you learn about emotional regulation. That's how you set those uh, set those healthy habits for what it's going to be like when you go to kindergarten, when you're going to be in that school setting. And I just think there's so much so much learning to be had, and so much joy kids can take from being around others that. You know, the benefits are truly there. And I don't want to dismiss that. And I don't want to let our fear of COVID or other infections cloud 
how important in-person learning is. Yeah. 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 That's so good. It's Mm. there. I mean, that's, there's good stuff that happens. And you know what? I totally get to that. Everyone's circumstance is different. And I take care of kids where it's not appropriate for them to be in school right now, unfortunately, because the risk is too great to their health. And I don't want those families to feel that their child is going to be irreparably harmed because of that either. Kids are so resilient. Yes. So resilient. And we're asking a lot of our kids right now, and we're going to continue to ask a lot of our kids, but we have the power as parents to help support our kids to develop, you know, healthy habits and, and good skills and good behaviors, you know, no matter what setting they're in or what their circumstances. Yeah, absolutely. That's powerful. That's such a great ending thought though. Yeah. You really just summed it all up there. Yeah. What's what you guys said, you can do it. And and there's people there to help you. If you're not sure how to proceed, Talk to your pediatrician. Talk to some people who have been there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what I so appreciate about a good pediatrician such as yourself is the ability to ask those questions without fear of judgment. Because mm-hmm. there's a lot of information surrounding social media, the internet. There's a lot of heated opinions. And sometimes it can just feel really overwhelming to know what the best decision is. And so um, to really be able to find a pediatrician that you trust and who receives your questions with compassion versus judgment is mm-hmm. a true gift. And so um, thank you for being one of those providers, Dr. Hansen, and for really opening that door to all of your patients. Thank you. I appreciate that. Well, Dr. Hansen, thank you again for being back on the podcast. We will make sure to um, share your information and where mamas can find you if they're local, as well as the previous episode that we did. And also Stanford Health. Stanford Health has some remarkable providers here in our area, and we're so fortunate to have such amazing providers. Um, And to the NICU mamas listening who are feeling overwhelmed with COVID pandemic, with cold and flu season, we just want to affirm that you are not alone and that we also support you in all of the decisions that you are making for your family. Um, You are the best advocate for your baby. You're also the best mother and we support you 100%. So uh, we just want to echo that you can do this. You will get through this and you have a sisterhood of women who are supporting you along the way. So thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode and we'll catch you guys next week. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Dear Nikki Mama podcast. If you loved this episode, we'd be so grateful for a review on any of the podcast platforms. And we'd love to continue connecting with you via our social media pages or our private Facebook group. And ultimately, Nikki Mama, welcome to the sisterhood. 